here going to talk a little bit about uh, how statistics are tracked when it comes to law enforcement uh, their use of force the types of calls they respond to um, and just how some of the reports are put out about how officers are responding to calls and addressing them as such we're going to be giving you statistics today we're going to be talking about officer involved shootings something that's a pretty hot topic right yeah i'd say it's up there we hear about it a lot. Yeah, that's that's accurate. Pretty sure the uh, all citizens hear about it too. Yep. So let's jump right into it. How how are these things tracked? We have just so the listener knows. I know that there's a lot of talk on accountability, transparency, things like that. We want that as well within law enforcement, believe it or not. Cam and I don't like hiding things from anyone. We're very transparent with our calls of service, with our investigations. Everything we do, we try to be uh, transparent. And I believe that law enforcement nationwide is trying to get to that point. And so for anyone that doesn't understand, there are two major, we want to call them entities, that track use of force, officer-involved shootings, and they are the FBI and the CDC. Now, the FBI has what's called the Uniform Crime Reporting Database. Now, that database has actually been in force for what? Since 1930? And just so everyone understands, law enforcement departments nationwide, they are connected to this UCR, but it's not a requirement to report. And we can talk about that as we go along Mm -hmm. Um, because there's going to be different opinions why departments aren't required to report it to the FBI. Yeah. And we're going to have opinions. I I have an opinion. I think we're getting into a day and age where transparency is very important. Yeah. And I think for the trust of the public and for, uh, from the public, the trust from the public to law enforcement, local, national, I, I believe that it would Im- it'd be very important to make it a requirement. Well, I think it's good, too, is you have a different entity that isn't emotionally drawn or doesn't have a reason to lie about how your agency is dealing with calls or how often you're dealing with calls. And I think it would be nice to, you know, if someone calls in a complaint or report something to your governor, say you're in Minnesota and someone complains that... Why don't you bring in Minnesota? Well, maybe, maybe I've got some history there. I don't know. Purple and yellow. That's right. Vikings. Yep. So second best team. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think it would be good for for them to turn around and and be able to say, here here's the statistics that's been collected by a federal agency not involved. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. Now, for, again, going back to the UCR. It's been around since around 1930. Again, it's not a requirement for departments to report these things to the FBI. I would venture to say that every major department, large city department, does a a good job in reporting 
and I can't speak for every agency. I know our agency does a very good job in making sure that we participate with the UCR, um, National Incident-Based Reporting System. Every officer in our department is familiar with that, also known as NIBRS, the great NIBRS. Um, but again, going back to the UCR, not being a requirement for department, just so everyone knows, per the FBI uh, website, fbi.gov, they advertise that about 18,000 nationwide departments participate with the UCR. It just so happens that there are around, maybe more at this point, 18,000 departments or agencies. I can say department agencies we can speak of um, nationwide. That's local law enforcement. That's you're talking about airport police, transit authority. Colleges. College. Yes. County troopers. All of those. Now, again, with the UCR, and I mentioned a national incident-based reporting system, also known as NIBRS, captures and details on each single crime incident, but not just each single crime incident. It also tracks separate offenses within that same incident. Yep. And so it... it, And the victims of each. So you could have a, a big incident where you have two different crimes that were committed on two different people by the same person. And just so you guys understand, when you're when you're an officer and you're filling this in, if you've got two different victims, you have to put what crime they're a victim of, what is their race, what is their ethnicity, what is their age, all of those things come into into play with that report. And that's kind of how we get a lot of the statistics that we are going to be talking about. And that transitions into what I'm about ready to talk about with this same system. They do track hate crimes, and it's up to every department within any investigation. If there is evidence that a hate crime is involved, what do we do? We report it. Mm -hmm. That's the requirement. We will document it in NIBRS that a hate crime, we have evidence that a hate crime was present. That way, the FBI can properly document it as a hate crime to go into the national statistics so that each listener that's listening to us right now and everybody out there that's a citizen of this great country can go to FBI.gov, look it up, and say, here's the documented hate crimes across the U.S. for 2020 or 2021. That's how this works. They also keep track of law enforcement officers killed and assaulted, also known as the LEOKA. And what that does is track any feloniously or accidental officer who was um, killed or assaulted while performing their duties. So there are a multitude of databases that with the cooperation of local agencies, national agencies, they compile these statistics so that we have more transparency and and on the law enforcement side, accountability for the things that that we're investigating, making sure that we're documented correctly. Now I get, this is kind of on both sides of the aisle type thing. This isn't just Republicans or Democrats. We've kind of seen a distrust within the media. Um, A lot of people knocking, not trusting law enforcement, but in particular the FBI. Oh, the FBI has lost all credibility, blah, blah, blah. I'm not into that. I've never been caught up into that. 
Is there room for improvement? Absolutely. Can there be false reporting? Can there be a twist in statistics? Sure. I just, we don't have those, right? I, I don't, that is not before my face. We can assume anything we want, but unless it's right before my face that something has been twisted, something has been purposely left out, I, I can't get behind it. Well, that's one of the big things we want to push and, and for our listeners to understand that, you know, we only want to go off of uh, facts that are put out there. You know, we can have our opinions and obviously we're going to express our opinions uh, as we talk. But when it comes to citing our sources, we want it to be actual viable sources. Absolutely. Absolutely. We don't want to guess. We don't want you guys to be uh, what com did they go and pull that off of? I'm not a big fan of dot-coms. I am a big fan of the govs coming straight from the horse's mouth type And you sound, you, you know? sound just like my professors in school. Stay no, away from the dot-coms. No, no dot-coms. Don't do it. Better be a scholarly article. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we all know that you went to dot-coms. You all spun right. it. Whatever. Well, hey, they were cited properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got those different... Uh, there's different areas we can look at those. And, and for you guys that may not be aware, on the FBI's um, page about tracking stuff, they actually in 2015, they created a Crime Data Explorer. It's a pretty user-friendly um, program. You can go on there and you can select what years you want to search, what agencies, what area, what state, um, what type of crimes, and it can, it can spit out statistics on, you know, the race, the gender, the type of crime, um, the victims involved with the crimes. Um, so if ever you are wondering, you know, how many calls our officers respond to that are reported, um, you know, you can go and you can track that. You can go and track how many of them have uh, a Caucasian suspect or a Caucasian victim or African-American or whatever, um, Native American, so on and so forth. So check it out. Um, Research, people. Yep. Research. That's where we go. That's how we learn. And, and while we're talking about it, so it, is every single call or officer contact tracked on these, these no. things? No, and we both know that. And I'm going to let you explain that a little bit more, I think, especially since you're in patrol right now. I've been far removed for five years, yep. but in terms of the actual reporting, you're, you're front and center, your boots on the ground. You're responding to the in call or in progress calls as a patrol officer. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to let you go through that, but that's a good point. We need to talk about it just so all of our listeners know not every contact with the police is, is tracked. And I'm going to let you explain that. Not only is not every type of call we go to not tracked it's almost uh, a vast majority are not tracked and I'll kind of explain that for you so in the FBI's tracking most of their violent crimes they track is homicide rape robbery aggravated assaults uh, mainly your sex offenses and your aggravated um, crimes and then you go into property crimes you got arson which I think that's kind of interesting um, I get that it's property but it's that's a pretty violent type of crime when you go and start lighting stuff on fire, especially houses, not knowing that are clear or not. 
uh, burglary theft, motor vehicle theft. Just step back just for just a fun factoid. I don't even want to call it fun. Less than 2%, less than 2% of arsons are solved nationwide. Just so you know. That's a little factoid. Sounds like you may have worked one or two of those. One or two. (laughs) One or two. Um, Yeah, so, you know, all of those are tracked, right? But what is not tracked? Citizen assist. uh, VIN inspection. Um, You know, you have simpler ones. That is, um, you know, you could be at the, the gas station and, you know, you have a citizen that comes up to you and just wants to talk to you or has a, a question about a crime or something that's happened to them. Or, or maybe you wanted to contact them. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, a lot of times we'll refer to those as like a, a level one contact. We don't have a crime, but there's something that seems off with them. And for some of our listeners, explain what that is. You know, so you could be, um, you see a guy who he sees you, um, he's making fast furtive movements, as we call it, or appears to be stumbling as he's walking and sees us and then tries to dip behind a building or something real quick. Kind of suspicious. Yep. So somebody that we may want to talk with just yep. to see what's what's going on. Yep. Not and necessarily saying that they've done something wrong, but suspicious enough that a, an officer may want to come and talk to you. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times those are the types of incidences that if we don't look into it when we see it, someone will call down the road and you know, you don't you know, say that person never intoxicated never and they fails. stumble into the road and then they get hit. And that's something we could have prevented. Absolutely. Um, uh, another big one, <clears throat> traffic stops. You know, a vast majority of those are not tracked. Not going to be reported. Exactly. If I give you a verbal warning, there's a hundred percent chance that is not tracked. If I give you a written warning, it might be tracked within my agency, but that is not going to the FBI. You know me with warnings. When I was on patrol... I was a warning freak. I just wanted to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you had to address it. it. You, if you got a traffic site from me, you done messed up. <laughs> you know you did, because I was a warning freak. But yeah, so you know, there's all different types of instances, and there's there are crimes as well. I you know I don't know all of them off the top of my head, but not every crime that we investigate is reported to the FBI either. Truth, we're going to roll into CDC. So we've talked about the FBI. And again, let me, before I head into the C- CDC, let me, let me go back to the FBI real quick. Again, what I want you all to understand, there is transparency and accountability within law enforcement. The, these reporting st- statistics are not new. Like I said, this is being uh, tracked by the FBI since around 1930. I know that there's a lot of false narrative out there saying we need to protest this. We need to get uh, cameras up in patrol officers' faces, in detectives' faces. Anytime that we see the police out, let's police the police. Because, quote-unquote, the narrative out there is that there is no transparency. There is no accountability we're here to tell you that is not true. That is absolutely false. That is a false narrative. It's been thrown out there, and people are sinking their teeth into it, and they're rolling with it. It's just not the case. <clears throat> now, with the CDC, the CDC, in accordance with the FBI, 
it, it tracks the basically there is the National Violent Death Reporting System, the MVDRS. The MVDRS is the CDC's way of tracking the who, when, where, how, and giving insights on the why to officer-involved contact where there would be a death or a some type of a violent act that led to a death, if that makes sense. Yep. <clears throat> the CDC's responsibility, Cam and I experienced it any time that we um, investigated a homicide or uh, we'll say vehicular hom- uh, homicide, a vehicular manslaughter incident. Within our agency, the investigating detective or a detective that took part in that investigation will go up to the mortuary and be present for the autopsy. And there's a reason for that. This is all connected to the CDC because anything that has to do with that autopsy, those stats and everything else are sent to the CDC, correct? Yep. Now, with the CDC, they track these deaths. That's what they do. They, tra- they track the national deaths associated with everything. If you die in the United States, they track it. It's not just on the law enforcement side. This was just a reporting system that was put together specifically for that contact with police. And so, again, going back to my comment on this narrative that there is no transparency, that there is no accountability, we want you guys to know that is a false narrative. There is, and they are two major entities within our nation, the FBI, the CDC. And the CDC has actually 600, as they document it on their website, unique, quote unquote, data elements from multiple sources. And those multiple sources come from frontline investigators, law enforcement, coroners, medical examiners, et cetera, et cetera. And these data elements from these multiple sources put together what we have in terms of keeping track of police involved deaths. Yep. So is there a database out there that tracks if an officer shoots at someone, is there a database that tracks that specifically? I am not aware of one. And again, I think that goes back to what we're talking about in terms of the FBI and departments not being required to report everything. And that's a discussion for another time, right? That, yeah. That's like, should we or shouldn't we? Should it be a requirement for every department to track every single incident that is possibly out there? Uh, to my knowledge, unless you know something that I don't, I don't believe that there is any database that will, um, you and I both know that sometimes uh, maybe it's a sheriff's department in the middle of nowhere that may be 15 strong, right, within that office. And they get a call for service that someone hit a deer. That officer is required to go out there. They will determine what action needs to be taken. There are times where the animal needs to be put out of its misery. um, And they will discharge their firearm. Where does that report yeah. Go to. You know what I mean? So well, there, what there's going to be different ones. What I think is interesting is, and I, I also did a lot of research, and I know our agency tracks ours, but I don't know that that gets reported to the next one. So I know if, uh, see, media wants to, to get a copy of it, they can request it, and we do have the ability to produce that to them. But 
what I think is interesting when it comes to the CDC is one thing that we do have to keep in mind when we look at those statistics is that's only tracking people who actually die from that use of force. Yes. So say we shoot, uh, we as in law enforcement get in uh, 20 use of force shootings, right? 10 of them are Caucasian suspects. 10 of them are African-American. For whatever reason, all 10 of the African-Americans die five of the Caucasians die, that statistic is going to show that we kill more black men than white Correct. men. If you go off of those if you statistics do. with the CDC alone. Yep. And, and I appreciate you bringing that up because I don't believe I made that clear enough. CDC is death. Yep. That is what is reported to the CDC straight from uh, medical examiners, coroners, all of them. Now, a lot of times... The statistics that the CDC reports, you and I both know, when you go into that mortuary, the doctor performing the autopsy will come up to you, and what do they do? Hey, what happened? Yep. Give me kind of a, a brief breakdown as to what the investigation has found to this point. And we verbally give that to them. Now, it's not just coming from us. It's also coming from the medical examiner investigator that arrived on scene, they gathered all the information, um, collaborating with local law enforcement detectives on trying to get some uh, factual details so that he can put it in his required report. And that report goes as well to the mortuary. So again, the CDC, when they're doing these autopsies and examinations, a lot of times they are looking at the science of what the body is showing, the trauma to the body, but then they're also obtaining those details and then compiling both of them so that they can list, yes, this is a homicide. This was accidental. This was, that's how these statistics are, are put together as well. And so um, very, very important that details are given to these examiners so that the statistics stay correct. Right. Right. So what are some of the statistics that I found interesting if we look into, um, so I did, I used that Crime Data Explorer that we had talked about, right? So I did the five-year span um, from 2015 to present. Um, it did not have the 2020s yet, so 2019. Uh, and then I just did 2019 alone. And I don't want to interrupt you here real quick. You mentioned 2015. One of the uh, national media, talk about sinking your teeth in and just clenching down. 2015, Washington Post. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be going over it because we want you to be educated. That is almost like the national media go-to for officer-involved shootings and the narrative that comes with it. They have chosen to do their own database. This is not FBI driven. This is not CDC driven. The Washington Post does their own investigation. But just like we'll be talking about as we go along here, buyer beware. Right. Yep. And so I think one of the big things to, to think about as, as, as you guys listen or read or see on social media, these posts about what's going on, um, Maybe just take a little bit of time, 
do some research. It doesn't take long to get onto this Crime Data Explorer just to see for yourself, see what it's what it's actually saying. So one big thing being pushed right now is how officers are focusing on black individuals, right? That's um, the sexy that's narrative. Right now, right? So one thing I thought was interesting, 2019, aggravated, or sorry, violent crimes is how it's worded on there. Officers responded to or reported 432,187 violent crimes. In 20, violent crimes. In 2019. Of that, 45% of the suspects were black. 44% were white. A quick little sidestep here. The Census Bureau shows there's 328,239,523 people that live in America right now. 76.3% are white, 13.4% are black. So there's been a big push on officers are going after black men more than white men or black individuals more than white individuals. And what I find interesting is though that that one group makes up 13.4% of the entire population, that small group is responsible for 45% of the violent crimes. And here's the other thing that I I want listeners to understand how officers kind of, and we'll go on this more down the road, but how officers kind of, or agencies pick where people, you know, their, their officers patrol. So if you take like a a satellite view shot of your, your city or jurisdiction, you drop a bunch of pins where all your calls are specifically your violent crimes. And that's obviously where you're going to put more law enforcement It's where you're going to have more officers. Our our officers, the extra patrols, uh, the constant calls of service, people asking for officers, I need help, and officers are going into those areas, right? Just we're on the same page. Yep, exactly. So if we go into arrests, so there's there's property crimes as well, and we could go over that. Um, But let's just go into arrests. There are... In that same time period, black men were arrested 33% of the time. These are for aggravated assault calls only. Um, white men were, uh, or white individuals, were arrested 62% of the time. Um, and what I find interesting is um, black individuals were the suspect 40% of the time, and white individuals were the suspect 51% of the time. So there's a higher percentage chance that if you are Caucasian, you'll be arrested. And just so you understand, if you're kind of wondering why those stats don't add up, you have Native Americans, you have all other types of stuff, and there's the unknown category. You've got the the Asians, the Pacific Islanders, the um, black, the white. Uh, As officers, we have to um, break those up. Again, back to the FBI reporting, that's part of what we put in our reports, who we come in contact with. Um, If you have contact with the police, we, in our department, have name screens, either they've had some type of contact with police in the past, or we create one for them per the contact of the incident that we were dealing with, right? Yep. And so we, con- we, we constantly track that information. And what's interesting about what you're talking about, these are the actual statistics, but what is the national narrative that people want to talk about right now? It's, it's really the per capita, Right. Everybody wants to discuss the per capita, and we have statistics to go over that. Um, but the per capita is what the Washington Post 
and the national media want to, to hang on. But the thing that disturbs me the most about these per capita statistics is they don't account for all the other variables. One of those variables of many that we're talking about is what you brought up. And that was how often is police going into a specific neighborhood? Yep. Right? We recognize that. But the right numbers are even more important. And again, everyone wants, wants to hang doggedly on per capita. But the, the national narrative is that African Americans are the ones that are being targeted by police. Yep. But if you want to just go off of per capita statistics, African Americans aren't even the demographic that per capita gets killed the most by police. That belongs to Native Americans. And so I, I don't see a voice for them, but there is a narrative out there. We want to concentrate on the African American demographic. Police are out there hunting them down, uh, shooting them for no reason, unarmed. Numbers are important. Stats are important. We recognize that, but the correct numbers and you have to be careful about what narrative you roll with when you see a specific number, right? Yep. Per capita is great. We recognize. I, we sit, you and I are in agreement. Any research that you do, per capita, black individuals are going to be shot more than per capita on the Caucasian side. We recognize that and we concede that statistic, but there's so much more to it. There are so many other variables. How, which neighborhoods are those happening in? What cities are those happening in? How often do police get calls of service for that neighborhood? And how often are police dealing with violent crimes in that said neighborhood, right? Yeah, and we've, we've obviously kind of broke down how um, a specific um, race is responsible for a vast majority, more than you know another race that's a lot has a lot more numbers to it. Um, one thing I, I also want to talk about is you and I both understand we've we've watched a lot of officer-involved shootings, uses of force, and there's been quite a few that has made us cringe or made our, our blood boil on why officers did what they did. Makes us angry. We understand that officers aren't are definitely not always in the right. They're not perfect. No, and there's been some that... You know, they're walking that gray gray area. There are some that it's just blatantly, I don't know if they went code black. They were just upset with what's going on in their personal life, and they couldn't turn off their personal and get into officer mode. I don't know. But there's been quite a few um, instances that, um, and when I say quite a few, that's because I tend to be, um, it's kind of like, you know, a lot of times we're our, our toughest um, we call it Monday night quarterbacking. So there's a lot of times I'll review it and I'll say, oh, man, they should have done X, Y, and Z. Why'd they rush it? They should have sat back, watched it, called out, whatever. We're tougher to your own family. Yep. We're tougher in our own house. Law enforcement is no different. We are tough on ourselves when we see a major mistake. That's I, yep. I following you 100%, just so all of our listeners understand, nobody is harder on these cringe-worthy incidents that we see and hear about than cops themselves. Well, we have to deal with it. 
if, you know, we have this Floyd incident, right? You and I are nowhere close to that, and we've dealt with it. Mm -hmm. We've had riots in our cities. We have um, had people give us uh, some verbal lashings as they drive by or walk by, all because of something that happened miles away. Miles away. But um, I do want to kind of hit on uh, something that's put out. So a Washington Post article talks about um, the amount of officer-involved shootings. Speaking of Washington Post. Yeah, right. So we'll probably talk about them a little bit more in our next episode as well. 2021, they released an article saying that 985 uh, individuals died from police shootings. Um, You know, in... In 2020? In 2020, because that article was released in 2021. Now, you and I will both agree that around 1,000 individuals are killed by officers a year. And it's been that way for years. It's actually been really, really steady. Uh, For years, anyone can look it up, fluctuate under a little bit, fluctuate over a little bit, but it's always around that 900 to 1,000 police-involved shootings where people die. Yep. And now I'm not going to sit here and say every single one of those was justified because I I really don't know. Um, Which is a hot word as well. Justification, justified. People hear that in the media, and it seems like blood boils, right? Like we're always being protected and we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later. Yep. Um, but I do want to hit on the fact that, and if, if some of those were, were not justified and officers did wrong, hopefully the, the family gets justice. But I do want to hit on the fact that, you know, 911 calls um, last year, 240 million 911 calls. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's a huge number. Officers are sent out to these, um, you know, and what is interesting as well is these are 911 calls. A vast majority of our calls, as you know, come in through our non-emergency line. Which aren't tracked. Which are not tracked. Um, so, you know, I, I don't want to say um, that there isn't a problem there, but I, I do want to point out the fact that there are a lot more calls for service and incidents handled by officers where this number seems big when you just look at it real quick. But if you look at how many calls we respond to and deal with it's and way the more. types of calls, it's way more, way higher, way, way higher. higher. So I want to circle back a little bit. See what I did there. I saw it. I caught it. I want to circle back. Okay. Let's go back real quick because this is a very, very important stat. We're going to talk about it to end this episode. We're going to talk about it in part two. But I really want to focus on that false narrative of are cops really going out there looking for black men to shoot down? I know I'm not. No. I know you're not. I know our department's not. And I know I've been to trainings nationwide with departments uh, nationwide. I've been able to talk to them, great individuals, men and women, who really uphold their oath. And... I recognize when a media is spinning the false truth, which we're going to talk about in part two. But I do want to circle back for a second because you brought up an interesting statistic in terms of how many violent, uh, what's the percentage of violent crimes that are being committed by African-American, by Caucasian. And it's just a huge high number with the African-American community. 
And we, we're going to be talking about why is that? It's not the cop's fault. You can't sit there and blame the police for acts that are being committed prior to law enforcement making contact with you. You can't blame that on us. Mm -hmm. The act has already been committed. But what's also interesting, as we have talked about a little while ago, that yes, per capita, the amount of African Americans that are being killed by police is higher than whites. Per capita is not as high as Native Americans. And there are other statistics out there for Hispanics, but we're focusing on right now the African-American narrative that's nationwide. Mainstream media is exploiting it. They're throwing it in everyone's faces. Uh, BLM is out there. And uh, social media, you know, the blackout day, things like that, supporting police violence against African-Americans. Again, numbers are important, but let's make sure that we're utilizing the correct numbers and looking at all the numbers. Because little did people know, again, going back to Washington Post, and Washington Post is a very liberal outlet, news outlet. They, they have always been that way. Mm -hmm. And I could give countless examples of skewed and just untrue articles that have come from that news outlet. And even their 2015, bless their hearts, they have taken it upon themselves as there is a, a lack of at least numbers of entities that are out there tracking police violence and police involved shootings and things like that. So I give them credit for taking interest in it and trying to be, bring to light the actual numbers. Mm -hmm. But even within their 2015 Washington post uh, data statistic um, article that they put out there, if you and I are going to be killed in the line of duty, there's about a 40% chance it's at the hands of an African American. But people aren't talking about that. People aren't talking about that. We want to talk about that, and we are going to discuss at a later time the why. But again, we want you to know we want research. We, dem we demand research on our end because we don't want to come to the table uneducated. Everybody needs to get in and research hard. Don't just take Facebook and Instagram, and Twitter as factual. You have to look into it because there are so many people that are trying to skew numbers. They are trying to skew um, situations and narratives when they're not taking all variables into account. You and I both know it's a false narrative, and hopefully we can talk about that as we continue to clear this corner. <laughs>